Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to church we go. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Hi-ho, 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 hi-ho. Very merry anniversary to us. To who? To us. Oh, us. A very merry anniversary to us. Who, us? Yes, us. Oh, us. There is no way this could have happened without Jesus. A very merry anniversary to us. Now, let's start from the beginning. Pastor Jared heard from God. Do you want to build my church? I have called you my son. Time for you to leave Modesto to place you don't know. Valencia, you may get a little lonely, but do not fear. I will always be near. Do you want to build my church? That was a rhetorical question. <laughs> okay, great. Let's start in a home up to a grand hotel. Then let's move over to Castaic Elementary, up past the middle school, on to Hasley Canyon. Mm, look at this church. Isn't it neat? How many people can the auditorium seat? Looking around here, you'd think, sure, they've got everything. We've got ushers and greeters aplenty. Mm -hmm. First impressions and interns galore. You want HV Kids team members? Yeah, we've only got like 20. But who cares? No big deal. No! We need more. Don't, Don't delay, delay. Join, join today. Someday my prince will come. Pastor Jared, do you know anyone? <laughs> Let's get down to business. Higher Vision is a church with a vision for your family. Your kids will love it is our slogan on pretty much everything. Yeah. But no matter what, you've got a pal in us. <laughs> do, do, do. You've got a pal in us. <laughs> do, do, do. Though life has its ups and downs, you might wear a smile or you might wear a frown. But just remember when it gets you down that you've got a pal in us. You've got a pal in us. It's a tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. Higher Vision Church. for a story. Ooh. Who's the leader of this church God gave to you and me? <gasps> P-A-S-T-O-R-J-A-R-E-D Pastor Jared. The one and only Pastor Jared. Soul Pat Swag. We're ready to hear H.V.C. stories. So come along and sit right down. Enjoy this jubilee. P-A-S-T-O-R-J-A-R-E-D This would be a service like you would never, ever forget. <laughs> Although some of us might want to forget a few things. Well, today we're excited that you're here. Those of you joining us online, San Francisco, Phoenix, Boston, Grand Junction, Colorado, Seattle, Kansas City, Missouri, 
those of you right here in the auditorium, we're so glad you're with us today. And what I want to do is begin with a little story, Once Upon a Time. And then I'm going to share a little bit with you today. Anybody excited to be here on our anniversary weekend? Last weekend was so much fun. We had nine services and an outreach, 10 events that took place connected to Higher Vision Church, had somewhere around 6,000 people that were here that week, had hundreds of people get saved, and I want to thank you for being back this weekend. So let's open the book and begin with Once Upon a Time. I should probably talk with an accent, right? Okay. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away known as Modesto, there lived a young couple. Before they were a couple, this beautiful young maiden named Yvette Watch it, buddy. Okay. had dreamed that a handsome young knight would sweep her off her feet. One day, she found that knight, but But instead of looking like a knight, he kind of looked like Billy Ray Cyrus. What? That... I think they're playing music from that CD, that tape right there. In spite of his hair... Devet, with a little of her magic, TLC, and her loving kisses, she turned him from an ugly frog into a handsome knight. Jared swept her off her feet, and the two of them formed a family. It wasn't long before their lovely two maidens, Macy and Haley, and their two young knights in training, Tanner and Hudson, came along. The family was so happy, and every day they loved each other and lived to serve the king. But that wasn't the end of their story. One day, the king gave this knight and his family a special mission. They were to go into a distant land called Santa Clarita, which means Saint Clarita. Their mission was to spread the good news about the king's love for the people throughout the land. Before they left their home in Modesto, however, however, they recruited seven dwarfs to accompany them on their mission. The first, Happy. Some called him Pastor Chris. Also, Blondie. She was known as Pastor April. Classy also known as Wes. Smiley, some called him Jay. Cooley, known as Adam. Skinny, also on the board of directors as Doug. And of course, Oldie, everybody knows him as Pastor Randy. (laughs) The knight, his family, and his team of dwarves traveled down the long road called the I-5, past the land of cows, through the field of bakers, also known as Baker's Field, (laughs) and over the treacherous vine of grapes, or the grapevine, finally reaching this land where they had been called. But that wasn't the end of their story. 
They took up residence in a local inn to begin their work, known as the Residence Inn. As they traveled throughout the land, they began to attract more and more helpers for the king's work. They attracted fairies. They attracted minstrels. Along came princes and princesses. And even a lovable org, or I mean ogre, also known as Pastor James. All came together to join the king's work. Time passed quickly. The knight and his family grew up quickly and christened more knights and maidens. Trumpeted the king's coming and most of all, told the story of the good news. And their group grew and grew. They outgrew the inn where they were staying and had to move to a local schoolhouse. But the lessons of the king were too big even for his schoolhouse, and the story was too big to stop there. This story, which is older than time itself and yet still new every morning, continues to inspire people, impact the land, and change lives. The king is alive, and his kingdom is still growing. And every member of this kingdom, whether they are a knight, minstrel, dwarf, fairy, princess, ogre, are loved by their king, and whatever adventures or dangers they may face along the way, they are assured to have a happily ever after. You know, today, this isn't a fairy tale. This is a true story. And one of the things that we hope and pray over the next three weeks will come through is that, that this, this story is for His glory. That's why we chose to call it a 10-year history or a 10-year His story. And whether you know it or not, you're a part of His story. The chapter is still being written. The story is still being told. And as pastor here, the lead pastor here at Higher Vision Church and our pastor, pastoral team, our leaders, we're here today not to take any credit for this story, but to point and give honor and glory to the king and be thankful that we get to be a part of his kingdom. Anybody say amen to that? So today I want to do two things. First of all, I want to kind of tell a little bit of the story that some of you may have not heard. Many times people ask, Pastor Jared, how did you and Devette and your family end up here in Modesto? Why did you, I'm sorry, here in Valencia, why did you choose Valencia to plant Higher Vision Church? Devette and I had served in Modesto at a church there for almost 10 years as the worship and fine arts pastor. On April, I'm sorry, on February, a Super Bowl Sunday, 2003, as Pastor Berteau was speaking on vision, God spoke to my heart in that service and said, Jared, I've called you to plant a church. So I went home and I shared the vision with Devad and over several months as we prayed and talked things through, we both felt a confirmation in our heart that said that God wanted us to step out and leave the home that we had built, the friends that we had, the ministry that he had grown and developed there in Modesto. It was a wonderful place for our children. 
It was a wonderful place for us to be a part. God was doing great things. But God says, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to leap out of the boat. I want you to take that leap of faith and plant a church. Now, in America, you may not know this, but five out of six plants, five out of six church plants never succeed. It's an 18%, 17-18% chance of success. So for us to leave our home and all that we had been able to do and build and be a part of was a big step of faith. So we began to pray, God, where do you want us to go? And as we were praying, we were drawn to Stockton, which was just outside of Modesto, about 25 minutes. It was kind of a, a safe choice. We had hundreds of people that were in the church there that were willing to come with us. We were able to stay in the home we had just moved into kind of our dream home, and we were able to continue leading the school of ministry and the television ministry that God had given us in the area of worship and different things. And in the midst of kind of planning, if you're going to plant a church, that's kind of an easy way to do it. Well, along the way, a businessman came and met with me and said, Pastor Jared, could we go to lunch? And so we went to lunch. And as we were sitting there, this businessman said, Pastor Jared, I have recently started looking at planting a new company we're going to be receiving funding, and would you ever consider planting your church in Valencia? And then my first question was, where is Valencia? <laughs> and they said, well, Magic Mountain, you know, and I'm, oh, okay, I've been down there. And they said, listen, we've been to this valley, and we've visited churches there, and we just feel like the spirit and heart that you have, the vision you have to plant a church that reaches lost people, that's focused on reaching the community, but yet also believes in the power of the Holy Spirit and loves passionate worship and the, the power and the gifts of the Spirit, that that would be a great fit in this community. Would you ever consider planting there? And I was looking at him thinking, no, <laughs> not at all. We've got hundreds of people going with us. We can stay where we are. And then he made this statement. He said, well, here's the thing. Would you pray about it? And if you decide to plant your church in Valencia, we're willing as a company to tithe on the funding that we receive. And I had a Scooby-Doo moment. Huh? <laughs> and I said, well, what are you getting in the way of funding? And he said, well, we're going to receive over six years $250 million. I quickly added that up. So I said, you're committing $25 million. Where is Valencia? <laughs> Some of you are like, wow, Pastor Jared, you're greedy. <laughs> well, here's how the story went. The funding never came. And so we came and visited the city. We prayed and we walked around. We prayed, drove through the area. And a seed was planted in our heart and we had to make a decision. Do we go to Stockton with hundreds of people? We actually had a building that we would have possibly been able to take over that was right on the I-5 freeway or come to a city where we didn't have a building, we didn't have any money, we didn't have any people, we didn't have any friends, we didn't even have any enemies. <laughs> and one day on a treadmill as I was running and praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, here's what God said. He said, Jared, you know where you're supposed to go. I knew at that moment it was Valencia. And he said, and I will go before you, and I will make a way. And where others have struggled, where others have had do doors that have been closed, I'm going to open doors for you. I just want you to know that God's fulfilled every one of those promises. 
Did you know that this building we're in right now, multiple churches asked to get it, and the city in Newhall Ranch said no. Just this building alone is that answer to that prophetic statement that God said. He said, I'll go before you, I'll make a way, I'll open doors for you, and that you will be a blessing in this region, this church will be a blessing in this region, and will literally touch the world. And then he said this, and he said, and it'll be confirmed to you today. So I got off the treadmill, went up, took a shower, and said, Devette, let's drive to Stockton. So Devette and I got in the car, we drove to Stockton, we started driving around, and as we're driving, suddenly Devette looks at me and says, can I tell you how I feel, what I think? And I said, absolutely, I want to know what you, what you think. She said, God hasn't called us to Stockton. And I was reminded that God said, it'll be confirmed to you today. So David and I began to pray. We began to make our plans. I went back and began to share the vision. And the business never happened. The money never came. But God began to provide the miracles. And I may tell more of the story as we go along. But God began to gather dwarfs and ogres and, <laughs> and people who said, Pastor Jerry, we'll go with you. Some came from Modesto. Some joined us once we got here. But you know, it's been a beautiful story of God's faithfulness, of lives being changed, of hearts being touched, people being saved, marriages coming back together. Anybody thankful for the grace and love of God? So here's what I'm going to do today. I am going to preach a sermon to you that I preached 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. In fact, as I began to travel throughout this area and other parts of the country, going to churches, preaching about a vision called Higher Vision Church. This was the message that I preached. In fact, it's the foundation of what this church is built on. I want you to stand. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I want everyone to read this verse with me. You may not know this, but Ephesians 3.20 is the theme verse for Higher Vision Church. Guys, let's bring that up. Ephesians 3.20. There we go. I want everyone to read this with me. Those of you joining us online, let's declare God's word together. Are you ready? Here we go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Can you read it with me again? Come on, let this sink in. You ready? Now to him than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you for dreams becoming realities. We thank you, Lord, that you put vision in our hearts. And not only can you bring that vision to pass, but you can go above and beyond what we could even imagine. Lord, today there's a part of me as I look across this room and I look through the lens at people all over the world that are joining us today. Lord, 10 years ago, as I thought about these moments that would come and Devet and I dreamed and our team dreamed, Lord, I, there's a part of me that never even imagined what you were going to do. And Lord, I thank you that you've put a dream and a vision in the heart of everyone here. And that your word says that you have thoughts towards us of a hope and a future. 
and that you have a dream and a purpose for everyone, whether they're in this room or joining us around the world. And I thank you, God, that you're going to teach us this morning how to dream and how to have a higher vision. In Jesus' name. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. You may be seated. Maybe you've gone through the drive-thru at McDonald's and you pulled up to the little box with the, you know, the lighted sign and you begin to order. Now, the fast food restaurants have made it simple for us, right? Because now all you have to do is give them a number, right? So all you have to do is say, I'll take a number five and a number two and a number three. And as soon as you do that, you will hear a voice back through that little box that says, thank you, sir. Would you like to supersize that order? If you go through Wendy's, they'll say, would you like to go big? Today, I want to teach you a message that I've been preaching for over 10 years. It's the foundational principle that I shared with everyone that I traveled and shared the vision of higher vision, and it's called Go Big. Today, I want to teach you how to go big. I believe this idea of going big of God looking at you and I as we present our heart and our vision and our dreams. You know, the Bible says that he gives us the desires of our heart. I believe what that verse means is not only does God look at what's in us and say, I want to bring those things to pass, but I think he puts the desires and visions inside us. But when we have visions and dreams, God looks back at us and says, would you like to supersize? Would you like to go big? In fact, as we look through the Bible, this idea is interlaced all throughout Scripture. Remember the story of a man named Jabez? First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. Look at what it says. I want to read you two verses. We only have two or three verses about a man in the Bible. But here's what it tells us. Jabez was more what? honorable than his brothers. Let me stop there. Leave it up. What this verse is telling us is that God is saying there was something about this man so important that it had to be added in the Bible, even though it's just three verses, that I want everyone who ever reads the scripture to know about this honorable man named Jabez. Why is he honorable? Well, look what the scripture says. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would, what? Bless me me and what? Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And look at how it ends. And God granted his request. Jabez is in the Bible to tell us that he was honorable, and here's why. Because he looked at God and said, supersize my dream. Enlarge my territory. God, lift my vision. If God can go above and beyond our vision, what God is looking for people is for you and I to have a higher vision. Because the higher our vision is, the more we release God to be great and big and bold and powerful and amazing. I believe God has more for our families. I believe God has more for our destiny. I believe he has more for Santa Clarita Valley. I believe he has more for America. I believe he has more for us in our lives. But we have to go big. Remember the story when King Jehoash, who was actually listed as an evil king, he comes to Elisha on Elisha's deathbed. 
And as he's laying there, Elisha says, grab the bow and strike the ground. Remember that? I preached a message called Three Arrows. And he grabbed the bow. And Joash, what did he do? He pulls out three arrows and he strikes the ground. And when he's done, what does Elisha say? Elisha says, what did you do? Why didn't you strike the ground six times? He said, because you struck the ground three times, and that means you're going to defeat your enemy three times. But if you had struck the ground six times, you wouldn't have just defeated your enemy three times. You would have wiped them out, and you would never have to deal with that enemy again. In other words, the story is there again to remind us that God is looking for people who have the willingness and desire and the guts and the faith to go big. Somebody say, go big. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to tell you a story in the Old Testament that I think is a depiction of going big. It's a story about King David. He wasn't king yet. He was a fugitive. He was on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. (laughs) King Saul was hunting him down, and he had lived, he had moved out of, of Israel because King Saul was trying to kill him, and now he's living in the land of the Philistines, his enemy. He had taken 600, all his soldiers, and he had gone to the Philistines' camp because the Philistines were getting ready to fight Israel in a battle. And so he went and volunteered his forces to join them. And they sent him home and said, no way are we going to let you fight with us. And that's when they arrived back at Ziglag. Ziglag was the place, the little town, where David and his family lived. And when they get back, to their horror, they discovered that the Amalekites, the enemies of Israel, which Israel was supposed to have wiped them out already, and they never did. It's interesting how that when we don't deal with the issues that the enemy brings up in our life, they're going to come back later. And so what happens? He comes home, and everything is burned. The village is burned. All of their possessions, their wives, their children, they're all gone. And the men begin to weep. They begin to cry. They're devastated. What I want to do today is I want to take this story. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel 30. I want to give you three principles that you and I can apply in our life so that we can go big. Does anybody want to have a higher vision? Does anyone, anybody want to see God go above and beyond what you could even imagine or think? Come on, somebody say amen. So we're going to spell the word big. Say B-I-G. Say big. Say go big. Point number one, you ready? How do we go big? What does this scripture teach us? Well, number one, if we're going to go big, number one is the word or the letter B, which stands for be in position. If you want to go big, the first point is you got to be in position. I want to read to you 1 Samuel chapter 30 now, verse 6. David, remember, they came home, they see everything is destroyed. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. How many know you're having a bad day when not only is your family and everything stolen, but now your friends want to take you out? His friends are talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Other translation says he strengthened himself in the Lord. So David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Ab- Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And here's what God said back. Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Here's what's interesting about this story. David 
suffered trial. David lost everything that was important to him. And here's why. Most commentators believe that the reason his friends wanted to kill him was because of David's bad decision making. You see, David was in the land of his enemy. And nowhere in the scripture do we discover that, that David went to God and said, God, what should I do? Saul's trying to kill me. Should I leave Israel and live in the Philist- with the Philistines? Never once do we see a picture of David asking God what he should do. He just did it on his own. Not only that, but a lot of commentators feel like the reason his friends wanted to stone him was because when they left to go join their enemy, the Philistines, David didn't let any of the warriors stay behind to protect them, their families. So they, were, they may have tried to convince David, no, we need to leave some people here to guard our village, but he didn't. He made another bad decision. And then, not only that, he took them away to join their enemy who wouldn't let him fight with them anyway, to fight against their own brothers, their own countrymen. The point I want to make is, isn't it interesting, as we read this story, you're going to discover that God goes big in David's life. And here's the point. A lot of us are in moments of brokenness. We're in moments of pain. And here's the point. Sometimes we're there because it's our fault. Sometimes things just happen. But sometimes it's our own decisions. But isn't it good to know that even in the middle of pain, in the middle of brokenness, that God can still go big in your life. Somebody say amen. And what did David do? Well, the Bible says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. Let me tell you what that word strengthened in the Hebrew means. It's a word which literally means this. It means to fasten to, to seize, to bind, restrain, be strong, strengthen, cure, help, repair, fortify. In other words, here's what basically David did. David had wandered away from Israel. He hadn't sought the Lord. He he hadn't sought good counsel. He hadn't stayed close to his God. But this time, he was in a situation where he knew, you know what, if things are going to change in my life, if I'm going to go big, if I'm going to see my situation turn around, I need to get in position. I need to get at the feet of my father. I need to wrap myself around just like Jacob who grabbed the angel and said, you're not leaving until you bless me, right? He said, I'm going to get in position. I'm not going to let anything go by. Remember when Elijah was getting ready to leave the earth and Elisha says, listen, I'm not going to let you leave my sight. I'm staying close to you. I'm seizing a hold of you. And what happened? Because he stayed in position, he got a double portion. I want to tell you the key to turn around in your life, the key to God taking your dreams to a whole nother level is understanding that if you're going to go big, you got to get in position. You got to be in position, grab a hold of God and say, God, I'm not letting go until you speak to me. God, I'm not letting go. And what does the Bible say? That he was strengthened in the Lord. Maybe you have a marriage that's falling apart. And what you've been seizing yourself to, what you've grabbed a hold of, what you've encouraged yourself in is all your buddies who are divorced. Instead of maybe finding a Christian that's been married for a while that can encourage and challenge you. Maybe you're struggling with an area of weakness in your life, but you only come to church once a month. Maybe God's saying, listen, you want to take your dreams to another level? You want to be set free? You want to see God bring his blessings in your life? Then grab a hold of him like Jacob. Get in position. Tie yourself to, connect yourself to 
the position of God where you can hear his voice and he can release his promises and dreams in you. Anybody want to go big, say amen. Reminds me of my two dogs. I have a dog named Bruiser, and I have a dog named Gidget. Ferocious, aren't they? These dogs are smart dogs. They're not lassie where they can communicate with you. But here's what they've discovered, that when, you know, Devette and Jared are in the kitchen making sandwiches for lunches for the week for Tanner and Hudson, and we're making 10, 12 sandwiches at a time to try to get the week going, they know that in the midst of all that preparation or the girls going in and making something for themselves, something is going to fall on the ground. And when it does, they're like sharks in the water where there's blood. I mean, you're going to lose a hand if you reach down very fast. Because they've learned that if they get in the right place at the right time. And I want to tell you, the key to God releasing his promises, what did David do? He didn't just say gloom and despair and agony on me. He didn't take off running because he was afraid they were going to kill him. No, he got in position. And the key to God releasing his dreams and promises in your life on another level is you've got to, number one, be in position. Somebody say amen. If we're going to go big, you've got to have the B. The second thing is you have to have the I. And the I stands for invest in the kingdom. Invest in the kingdom. If you read the story, here's what happens. David gets the word that they're going to be able to go and recover. God says, I'm with you. Go fight them. And so he grabs his 600 warriors, and they take off running. Now, in those days, it wasn't like we see in the movies. Not everybody had a horse. So on foot, they take off, and here's what they're doing. They're running full speed for several days because their enemy has already come, burned the city, and has left days earlier. So if they're going to have a chance to recover and fight the enemy to get back, they're running like a marathon, full speed, as fast as they can. And the Bible says as they begin to go, they get to a place called the Bezor Valley, or some translations say the Bezor Brook. And the word um, brook there, or valley, is a Hebrew word which means torrent, like a raging river that is very difficult to cross. And when they get to this river where it's difficult to keep going, 200, one-third of his army are so exhausted, and here's why. Not just because they had ran for several days to get to this point, but remember, they had already ran for three days before that, coming from the camp of the Philistines to get back. So now for several days in a row, they're running as fast as they can all day long. And finally, 200 of them just are worn out. And they're like, we can't go on. So David wisely says, okay, here's the deal. You guys stay. We're going to lighten the load. We're going to take all our supplies, our food, all the stuff that we've been carrying. We're going to leave it here with you at the river so you don't have to cross. The trouble, the challenge is too much. So we're going to go fight 400 of us and you, 400, or you 200 stay behind. 
So they go, and we'll find out in a minute that they attack their enemy, and they get all the plunder. They get back all the things that have been taken. We'll dive into that a little bit more specifically. And they come back. And when they get back to this place where the 200 have been waiting, taking care of the supplies, I want you to see what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 22. It says, but all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers. Let me just tell you, people who are greedy, people who are selfish, people who are not generous, in this story are listed as evil and troublemakers. I'll show you why. Because they did not go out with us, they said, we will not share with them the plunder we have recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. Then David replies, no, my brothers, you must not do that, or you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. Isn't it interesting that David immediately says, listen, all this that's happened, all the favor, all the plunder, all the miracles hasn't been our hard work, it hasn't been our efforts, it's been God who's done it for us. He says, the Lord has given us, he has protected us and handed over to us the forces that came against us. Who will listen to what you have to say? Now, this is important. The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. And all share alike. David made this a statute and ordinance for Israel from that day to this. Here's what basically David said. Listen, whatever role you play... And as I traveled throughout California and other states and I began to share the vision of higher vision, and I began to say this, I said, many of you are not called to leave your homes and your jobs, to take a leap of faith and leave everything, to move to some city that you don't know anyone, and to start in the battle to take what the enemy has stolen, to to liberate captives from sin, to be saved. Not everyone's called to do that. Some of you are called to stay with the supplies. Some of you are called to give and make us, you're going to sow that way. Some of you are going to sow through your prayers, praying for the team. But here's the cool thing, whether you're called to leave it all or whether you're called to stay. Here's the point. Wherever you are, if you'll just invest the gifts that you've been given, you're going to receive the same blessing and reward as the ones who stepped out of the boat, as the ones who stayed in. Somebody say amen to that. The point is, God has called each of us to different things. And isn't it beautiful that here at Higher Vision, maybe you're called to be an usher. Maybe you're called to be a greeter. Maybe you're called to to work in children's ministry. Maybe you're called to go out and do outreaches like Clint Sano with his ministry called Parties for the Lord. Maybe you're called to be behind the scenes doing administrative work. Maybe you're called to stand up on the stage and preach. But here's the beautiful thing. All of us have a reward that God has given us. All of us are sharing in the story. All of us are a part of what God is doing. The key is, are you staying with the supplies? Are you using the gifts you've been given? Or have you wandered off and forgotten that God has a place and he has a calling for you? You see, the key to receiving the big things of God is not only do you not need to be in position, but you need to invest in the kingdom. You can invest through giving your tithes, the returning it to the Lord. You can invest by using your talents and gifts right here at Higher Vision. You can invest by praying and interceding for our church and leadership here at Higher Vision. You can invest in the kingdom. The key is the reward can be yours, but you have to invest in the kingdom. You know what's interesting? 
This year, if you are a Seattle Seahawks fan, you probably still have a sting deep down in your gut. <laughs> to have a Super Bowl taken from you at the last seconds. And we feel for you, don't we? We feel for you. If you're a Patriots fan, that's too bad. We feel for you too. <laughs> Even though I know you're happy because you won, but it's just a game, and I got to do it in heaven. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Here's what's interesting Tom Brady's not the only one who wears the ring, every lineman, every backup player, even the ones who are on injured reserve got a bonus and wear the ring. Do you realize that you and I, all, all of us, every time someone comes and raises their hand to receive Jesus Christ here at Higher Vision Church, Every time one of our counselors meet with a couple and reconciliation happens in a marriage, every time someone is healed from a sickness in their body, you and I get to wear the ring because we're part of his story. Somebody say amen. Yeah. You got to be in position. You've got to invest in the kingdom. And now here's the G. You ready? G stands for go claim your promise. G stands for go claim your promise. That's your cue back there. I've said it twice. Let me try it one more time. G stands for go claim your promise. Amen. Let me show you a part of the story. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 16. <laughs> uh, we have a great media team back there, all of them. We appreciate them. Aren't they great? 1 Samuel 30, verse 16 says, There they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. This is the Amalekites. They had gone and they had plundered in Judah. They had plundered Ziklag. And now they're down in a valley and they're scattered and they're drunk and they're partying because of all they have. But what they don't know is that David was right there. And the Bible says, David fought them from dusk. He came upon them in surprise. He fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered, what's the next word? Everything, Everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, plunder or anything else that had, they had taken. David brought everything there is something about God's timing. There is something about when you're standing on the boat and you say, God, is this you? And he says, jump, and you're going to walk on water. There's something about you and I having the courage to take the leap of faith, to not just sit back and say, well, one day, one day I'm going to see my finances turn around. One day I'm going to start that tithing thing. You know what I'm exciting? 200 families in this church committed to say, we're going to go claim our promise. 
One day, one day, I'm going to get involved in ministry. One day, that neighbor's going to be saved. Listen, sometimes God says the time is now. I want you to take the step of faith. I want you to put your trust in me. I want you to go claim your promise. For us, we could have talked for years about one day planting a church, but finally, we took the step of faith. We stepped out. All of the things were lining up. The favor of God was there. The doors were opening, and we took the step. And I want to tell you, the key to going big is not only being in position, not only investing in the kingdom, but having the courage to say, I'm going to take the step of faith. And that's what David did. Here's what's amazing about this story. Many of you know that David was called to be king of Israel. But right now, he wasn't a king. He was a fugitive. And it was at this moment of him being in position, investing in the kingdom. Let me show you what David did with the investing thing for a minute. Maybe you've never heard this part of the story. 1 Kings chapter 30, verse 26. When David reached Ziklag, now remember, he conquered the enemy. He'd come home. He sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here is a gift for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemy. David invested in others of what God had given him. And do you realize that immediately following that investment, immediately following being in position, investing in the kingdom, claiming his promise, Saul, the king of Israel, dies, and David becomes king. Above and beyond what he could have asked, Or even imagine. He had been waiting 14 years at least to be king. And then one day the door opened. One day everything changed. Could it be the key to God taking you to another level is that you have to have the courage to take the step of faith for level one. You have to be in position, invest in the kingdom. You know, there's a there's a an animal in Africa. It's called the African. Thomas Gazelle. And as we conclude this service, I want the worship team to get ready to come. I want you to take a look at a quick video about this African gazelle, Thomas Gazelle. Really quickly, take a look at the screens. Here's what you need to know about that gazelle. That gazelle can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet in distance. It takes off running and it launches. You would think that nothing could ever keep that gazelle in a cage. But did you know that those who have zoos have figured out how to corral and keep a gazelle? You know how? All they have to do is build a three-foot wall that you can't see through. And they can keep a gazelle corralled inside its cage. You know why? Because a gazelle will never leap if it can't see where it's going to land. And there's a lot of people who are corralled in their vision. They're corralled in their life. But here's the thing. They'll never jump because they may not be able to see exactly where they're supposed to land. 
And I got to tell you that when I was in Modesto, there was a part of me that didn't want to leap because I wasn't sure exactly where I was going to land. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know what kind of friends we would have down here. We didn't know exactly where the church was going to be. But here's the point. We were willing to get in position. We were willing to invest in the kingdom. And we were willing to take the leap to jump in faith. And I want to tell you that God is looking for people who are willing to say, God, Give me a number five and supersize it. God, I want to go big. I want you to go above and beyond what I could ask or even imagine. Will you take a moment right now and just, I want you to see from the beginning a few moments in the 10-year His Story history here at Higher Vision Church. Take a look. 